Let's pray. Lord, first this morning, we'll lift up another pastor and his family and another church in our community. We'll pray for Paul Blue and his family. Lord, first I want to pray that Paul's worship is fueling his marriage and his walk with his family at home. And I pray that that will connect to and spill over into his ministry to family fellowship. Lord, I pray that Paul is finding himself surrounded by other families and other men that are enjoying you uh, fervently, that are also fueled by worship. Lord, I pray that you would guard him from the trappings or the pitfalls of ministry that he could be used for your glory. I pray too that he has folks that can examine him and will examine him and hold him accountable in how he moves as a pastor. Lord, we pray for family fellowship too. We pray that we can really serve alongside them in a meaningful way, whether it's just an unofficial way of lifting each other up in prayer or whether there might be some official capacity to pray that we'll be faithful to do so. Lord, secondly, this morning, I want to pray for our local official. and pray for Steve Reed. I want to pray for Steve's worship. Pray that Steve is walking with you and that that is fueling the sort of movement that he has on city council and as our mayor. I pray that you would guard him from the potential influences that are not God-honoring. And pray that you would keep him true to you ultimately. Lord, we turn this time over to you. I pray for an attentiveness that is... Uh, would be impossible apart from you. And uh, we turn this time over to you in Christ's name. Amen. This is a unique Sunday having every little one in with us. Every nursery, everything shut down. So my, the length of the sermon will reflect that. You should know that. You should be encouraged by that. Parents who might be wrestling with a little wee one. We are, the word for the day is expeditious. Expeditious about moving through our time in a meaningful way but then getting to a, uh, a meal that you can tell by the layout of the, the sanctuary today, the worship center, that we've got food that's getting stacked up around us. And afterward, we're going to break and we're going to feast. So it'll be an appropriate time to celebrate this Sunday. This is, I think, the eighth membership renewal. I think this may be the seventh renewal. And the, the first one was not a renewal. This was just a membership covenant. But this is the, I believe, our eighth march in a row to participate in something like this. Our church, in an unofficial sense, is about 10 years old. About 10 years ago, the summer actually, this coming summer, 10 years ago, that Christy and I moved with our kids. Daniel was a baby at that time. Moved to Greenville and became part of this work. It was a mission of Ridgecrest Baptist Church. And for the first year and a half to two years, we were sort of getting our feet underneath us. And then at the nearly year and a half to your point that's when we constituted as our own church and ever since then we've been participating in this membership covenant and membership renewal and I'll tell you too that before we did this there were a group of people sort of a pseudo leadership team that were gathering around talking about what this might be like dreaming together at what membership should look like according to our Bibles and a room full of people that were saying, man, what if we decided that we wanted to covenant with each other? What if we decided that membership, we felt like should be more than just a signing a card, but it actually should be an intentional covenant? And I remember that conversation years ago, and we thought, man, how cool would that be? And then the conversation went the direction of how cool would it be even beyond that if there were a body of believers that were willing to recommit to that covenant yearly? 
to re-engage what we felt like was important as a church family. And we dreamt about that together. And honestly, my first impulse was, man, that's a lot to ask of people. My first impulse was, man, people can go in any direction, any direction really in our context and find a church where people are just glad if you show up. Honestly, and that's not being critical of other churches because we, we, we are one of those churches that have that background. So it's not condemning when I say that, but we realize that you know, we don't, asking more of people is not necessarily something that you would assume is going to be a good thing. But here we are in year 10 of walking together doing this, eight years of doing this particular, and here we have a full sanctuary of people that for the most part, I know that not assuming every person here is going to do that this morning, that most of us are going to be renewing that thing yet again this year. And most of us are seeing this as yet another year of a time of excitement, a time of recommitment, a time of joy, and thanking God for what he's done last year and thinking about what he's going to do this next year. So this morning, I thought it'd be very appropriate for us to just continue on in Hebrews. You're going to see that it's very timely. We are where we are. So turn to Hebrews chapter 3. As you're turning there, I'll tell you too that we dreamt of what this might make of a people. We dreamt together about what a membership covenant and then membership renewal might actually, God might do with that. And we realized that what God might do with that, and I believe that he has done that and is doing this, is that he might make a salty, bright, aromatic people that are involved in each other's lives in meaningful ways. I think we've experienced that and we have much more to experience there. Meaningful connections with each other is something that I think he has blessed us with. As you turn to Hebrews chapter 3, I'll tell you too, I don't think it's an accident that we are where we are in the book of Hebrews right now. Considering what we're going to consider very briefly this morning, you're going to see how appropriate it is that we're considering these two verses, specifically verses 12 and 13, on this particular Sunday. But before we consider that, I just want to say, first of all, most of our New Testaments... New Testament, your versions are all the same, hopefully. <laughs> Most of our New Testament is dedicated to this type of writing. This type of writing, particularly in Hebrews, it's a sermon written by a pastor to his church. It's written by a pastor to his church. Most of our New Testaments, in fact, is a message written to a body of believers. With rare exception there, 1st and 2nd Timothy and the book of Titus are written to individuals. The Gospels and the book of Acts might be the potential to think those are written to individuals. But in fact, it looks like the book of Luke and the book of Acts, which is part one and part two, both written by Luke, were written to Theophilus. There's a real thought there that Theophilus is not just some random dude named Theophilus, but if you break down Theophilus, it's lover of God. So if you group those in with the letters that are clearly written to churches, then we could trust and believe that most of this New Testament is written to a body of believers, real people with real names, real faces. A lot of these letters are, are seasoned with real names of real people with real stories. It's not some sort of pie-in-the-sky, figurative, uh, imaginary, ethereal sort of things, but they have real purchase in real lives, and they're written to peoples of God. 
very little of our New Testament is written to individuals. So if that's the case, if most of what we read and study in our New Testaments was written to actual gatherings of accountable people called churches, since it's written that way, it's best understood and received that way as an actual gathering of accountable people. We are most Christian, Crosspoint Fellowship, when we are hearing, walking, receiving, heeding, raging, and reveling in and with a body of believers. Before we ever even consider the two passages, we are most Christian when we are walking in this with a body of believers in an accountable way. He speaks to us as a people. He did it for 1,500 years before Christ ever even showed up. And he's done it for the last 2,000. He speaks to us as a people, not exclusively, but especially. And we hear mostly as a people and respond as a people. Now, to our passage, verses 12 and 13 of Hebrews chapter 3. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. But exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Now, there are three things I want to show you from this passage. They're going to be quick. They're going to be strong. The first one, the first thing we mentioned last week in sort of the point four of the sermon, is there's a corporate attentiveness to individual journeys of faith. Take care, brothers. That could be phrased, see to it, brothers. It's an intentionality, brothers, being the people of God, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. Take care, body of believers, lest there be in any individual an unbelieving heart. The message here right off the bat, this first thing, is that we are to take care as a body of believers in the individual journeys of faith. Whether that's countercultural or whether it's even counter-Christian culture, it is very biblical for us as a body of believers to be involved in the lives of the individual. It doesn't read, take care each of you, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart. If it did read that way, it might make for some very different priorities. This would be a much lower priority, a corporate gathering. If it read, take care each of you, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, this sort of corporate gathering would be much less important. And you might envision yourself hunkering down in your personal quiet time and there finding the resources to resist unbelief. But it doesn't read that way. And I'm thankful it doesn't. It reads instead, see to it, brothers, lest there be in any of you an unbelieving heart. I'm thankful that God won't let me get away with much, if anything, good on my own. The only thing that I really get away with good on my own is sin and vice, honestly. Those are the only things that I really do well on my own. And I'm thankful that he's designed it and wired me to need you and wired you to need me. Because, man, who gets the glory when something great happens? He does. Man, I love that about God, that he's made us that way. And I'm thankful that contrary to what Cain said, a murderer, mind you, we are our brother's keeper. Not as meddlers, but as family, walking, along each, walking along, alongside each other in meaningful ways. 
May we as a people take care and see to it and be lovingly involved in each other's lives. Secondly, now that we know who's to take care, that is appropriate for a body of believers to be involved in individual lives. Now that we know who is to take care, in the next verse we find how we're to take care. So if you like the first part, you're like, hey, that sounds good. I recognize that I need somebody, that I need others, that I don't do anything well apart from others except for sin and vice on my own. If you recognize that, this next verse, verse 13, shows us how we're to take care starts with the word but. But indicates that there's an alternative to the warning of verse 13. That there is an alternative to an unbelieving heart that can lead you astray. And the alternative comes in the next few words. Exhort one another every day as long as it's called today. Instead of our hearts leading us astray, we can and should exhort one another every day while it's today. It's the how of preventing others from being led away with an unbelieving heart. The word exhort, first of all, that word, it's not a very common word. We don't use that word all the time. Hey, I just want to exhort you, brother. Exhort, the word means encourage, urge, comfort, beg, beseech, appeal. One reference even uses the word Preach, preach to one another as long as it's called today. The mix of words there that all are embedded within this word exhort imply that with encouragement and comfort also comes warning and reproof. It's part of walking together with the people of God. And the beauty is it's a present tense verb. Exhort one another present tense. The word one another is not the typical reciprocal pronoun that's used oftentimes in our New Testaments. I read one this morning in Ephesians chapter 4 on just my daily devotional reading. A great one. A nice little one another if you want to read it. Our, our New Testaments are saturated with one another's. In fact, we gave a membership renewal. We dedicated a membership renewal to examining those one another's. This one another is unique. This one another used here specifically emphasizes mutual responsibility that every member of the community of faith should feel for one another. It's not a common use of this word. It implies mutual responsibility. And then how often? It's every day while it's today. This implies urgency. This implies that exhortation is needed today and that today will not last, and that's a guarantee. So the prevention and treatment for evil, unbelieving hearts was then and is now daily exhortation with one another. I know we got little bitty voices in here and little coos and and cries and everything else, but I want y'all to hear that. The prevention for an evil, unbelieving heart and the treatment for an evil, unbelieving heart is daily exhortation with one another. And it needs to be daily because unfortunately, or fortunately, exhortation, encouragement, comfort, begging, beseeching, it's like manna. 
Yesterday's encouragement spoils. We need a fresh dose today. He's built us and wired us to where we need it today. We need to receive it today and we need to give it today. We need to receive encouragement from one another today and we need to give encouragement to one another today. And that is the treatment for unbelieving hearts. It's how he's wired us. I found this quote. A guy, one of, my, one of the guys that I read named Lane. He said, avoidance of apostasy demands not simply individual vigilance, but the constant care of each member of the community for one another. The admonition to encourage one another every day may actually presuppose a daily gathering of the house church. A daily gathering of the house church which would provide the occasion for mutual encouragement. I read that and my first thought was, Man, ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> Seriously, a daily gathering of the house church. And then I realized in their context where people are being lit up as human torches, in their context where they're likely losing their job because of their faith, maybe losing their family, maybe losing their lives, maybe being tortured, maybe being pillaged, they're gathering daily. He doesn't say that for sure, but the impression is there's such an emphasis on today. While it's called today, do this thing that keeps us from unbelief. In light of that, man, I'm going to tell you, a small group is our little tiny little step in the direction of let's gather somewhere beyond Sundays and maybe Wednesdays and let's encourage one another while it's called this week. When you see small group in context like that, you go, okay, man, I got to make some time for that. I've got stuff going every night of the week just like you do, but this is encouragement. It's manna. Where else are we going to get it? It's soccer. My kids play soccer. There's some other things that we do. It's jumping through hoops for us to get to small group, but seeing it in this sort of context makes me realize, man, I need it. If I don't gather with God's people more than once a week, in fact, it's not enough. And my little evil, unbelieving heart could lead me away. And then in that gathering, I'm stirred up by way of reminder. In that gathering, I'm encouraged. In that gathering, I'm exhorted. In that gathering, I'm begged, beseeched, appealed to. I'm even preached to, maybe. Man, I encourage you. Small group isn't everything, but it's something. And it matters. Those of you who are walking with a small group, you know what I'm talking about. You need it. The third thing I want you to see this morning, the first was who's supposed to engage each other? Who's supposed to guard from unbelieving hearts? That the life of the church is supposed to be involved in the lives of the individual. The second point was how we're supposed to do that by exhorting one another while it's called today. And the third part I want you to see is that he does remarkable things with exhortation in each other's lives. Remarkable things. This next word in verse 13 is just a four-letter word. It's a tiny word, but there's so much to it. The word that. The word in the Greek is, a, is the word henna, and this is a henna clause. It is a purpose clause. It could be translated in order that or so that. It explains the purpose of daily exhortation in each other's lives. In order that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. For the purpose of none of you being hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. That is a, an important purpose clause. 
That word none encourages me. I mentioned last week that we know from the sower's seed in the soils and some teachings like that, that there will be some who hear the words, I never knew you. There will be some that fall away. But I read that word none, and I, with the Hebrews preacher, I go, please let none be here. Let none fall away because we are so intentional about exhorting one another. We are so involved in each other's lives that there is real daily, while it's called today, encouragement. Let there be none. May we serve and minister and preach and shepherd and pastor and shepherd families in a way where we're hoping for none and begging for none. And that through this encouragement, that none will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. In verses 12 and 13, there are two agents presented that lead you away from God. The first agent is the heart, and the second agent is sin. They're presented like they're actual agents that are actually leading you away from God. And this particular agent, in this case in verse 13, sin, the kryptonite, For that agent is daily exhortation. The vaccine against unbelieving hearts is daily exhortation. The anti-venom is daily exhortation. The thing that I got excited about as I read this is realizing how much power we yield in each other's lives. What a shock. What a shock that we have this much influence in each other's lives where we can come along each other and encourage one another to stay in the faith and that God will use that while it's called today. Man, that gives me hope for none. That excites me. That encourages me. So why membership? Why the thing that honestly is a little artificial, there's not an example of someone filling out a membership card in our New Testament. Why do we do that? Why do we have this thing called membership? Hopefully, at least this morning, maybe if this is your first exposure to this, hopefully you see the importance of walking closely enough with others that they will know where, when, and how you need to be encouraged. Hopefully you see how important, at least this morning, in a little snapshot, how important that is to the condition of your heart and to the trajectory of your walk, whether you're walking with God or whether you're turning away from him. You see how important each other is? Staying on the fringes are edges of the camp. You miss out on the manna. You miss out on the encouragement. Nobody knows how to encourage you. Nobody knows when you need encouragement. Nobody knows how to exhort you because you're on the fringes. Membership is an effort to say, come on in. Come on in, gather up close so we'll know how to engage and encourage and exhort and beg and beseech one another. Membership is our effort to remind each other of our importance in one another's walk. It's essential It's our effort to remind ourselves of that yearly. Membership matters, I believe, because you need to know also who you can depend on 
when you have ever-present agents in your life working against you to guide you away from God. Membership is a way to know who can I depend on? Can I depend on you? Can you depend on me? And membership is also an effort for you to know who's depending on you. Who can depend on you to exhort, to admonish, to encourage, to beg, to beseech, to preach when you need it while it's called today? Mutual responsibility is the message today. And it's an important one. It's an important one. Let's covenant together today to be faithful to see to it. Let's covenant together today to be faithful, exhorting one another while it's called today. Let me pray. God, I am so thankful that you give us each other in each other's lives to guide us and guard us from unbelief. Lord, I'm so thankful that we have mouths and hearts that can come alongside and exhort and encourage and beg and beseech and preach. Lord, I need that and I need to be that. I pray that in this next year walking together that you will find us faithful and true in that. And Lord, I beg for none. I beg for none that none will fall away from you. I beg that none will fall back in love with the world. I beg that none will prove unaccountable. I beg that none will disengage from the faith and bail on our Savior. Lord, I pray that we will be faithful and true, involved in each other's lives daily while it's called today. Lord, when you put someone on my mind, on my heart, I pray that I will be responsive that day to act on it. Lord, I pray when I'm on someone else's heart that they will be responsive that day to act on it. Lord, I pray when one is on another's heart that they will be responsive that day to act on it. When one has the notion, let's have another family over for dinner, I pray that day they will call and invite. Lord, when one has an unbelieving heart on their mind, I pray that that day that they will step out and walk faithfully and engage and sow good and robust and proper seed into that little plot of soil. I pray you will find us a today sort of people, intentionally making the most of our time. God, I'm so thankful that you've called us to something and you've given us the goods to walk in it. In community, in Christ's name we pray, amen. Paul warned Timothy in 1 Timothy 4 that um, one of the ways that this deceitfulness of sin shows up in us is that um, we, there will be those of us that believe that something we've done this week allows us to deserve this meal and this atonement and this salvation. And it's, it's there for all of us. Any of us can believe that. There's a lie and a deceit that we can say, I've, I've, I've avoided certain sins this week, and so surely that counts for something. Surely, as I come to this table, that should count or be credited to me in some way. 
And that's a deceit and it's lie. And Paul says there'll be those that teach it, liars whose consciences are seared, who forbid marriage and require abstinence from foods that God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. There's a requirement that some will place on us. And that teaching is a lie. Because there is only one requirement. We've heard it for three Sundays in a row now in this Hebrews warning. Here's the requirement. Trust Jesus. Believe God. Don't trust in yourself. Because when you do that and when you start saying, well, I've avoided some things that look kind of shady this week. I've avoided some things that don't look good. And so surely that counts for something. That's a lie. That's a lie. We trust him. And when we say that, what we're doing is we're saying, I've managed my sin pretty good this week, so now I can take the supper. Church, Jesus is not a sin manager. He doesn't manage your sin. He covers it. And that's what we'll enjoy in this supper together. There's one requirement for membership and fellowship at this table and in this body, and it's trust Jesus completely. His finished and sufficient work. Trust that. And so that's what we'll enjoy in this supper this morning. It's time to eat. Let's take this supper enjoying the bankruptcy of our account. That we have nothing. And let's enjoy the sufficiency of his covering. Take and eat. And take and drink. As we move into our offering time, there's, um, as always, a way of responding to God in worship through giving. But we're going to use this time for us to respond in covenant with one another. If you're renewing your covenant this morning, you can place that uh, with this people in membership. You can place that card in the offering as it comes by. Or if you're joining for the first time in covenant with this body. Do that now during this offering time. Uh, it's an act of worship in response to who he is and uh, who we're saying we are. And so we'll do that uh, in just a minute during the offering time. If, if anybody needs a card, there's some people in the back. And if you, didn't, if you don't get an opportunity to put it in there, you can give it to, to any of the deacons, uh, elders that are standing around will be available. You can bring it to me and um, we'll make sure it gets in the right spot. Let's pray together about what we've heard this morning, what it means to be in covenant with one another and then we'll move into this time of covenant and offering. Father, you've been really good to us in the last 10 years. You've been good to us in ways that we, we can't even imagine or we never would have dreamed Help us to not have a selective memory about ourselves and a selective memory about what you've done, but that we would enjoy a dependence upon the corporate this morning and enjoy the need for one another this morning as a grace and a gift from you and your design. We pray that these offerings that we bring, our covenant, and money, that you would multiply them and that you would keep us humble in the giving. 
It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.